Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitzi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So we're moving really quickly towards contract negotiations. Um, It seems like a long way off, right? But it's not. It's not a long way off. Looks like we'll probably be ratifying if things go well. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll ratify a new contract. That sounds like a good idea. But that just means that we're we're heading down the road pretty quickly. Yep. So we have to start thinking about preparing for those negotiations and and frankly preparing for things to go bad if 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 that's the case. So today we're going to talk about preparing for a strike. Not something that people want to think about. It's a last resort, right? Don't want people to panic about striking, about the possibility of a strike. But you always have to prepare for the worst case scenario. That way, you don't have to worry so much. Better to be prepared. Absolutely. So that's our topic today. But before we do that, we're going to take a benefits bite. And joining us this morning to talk about retirement benefits is trustee business agent DJ Yaramich, who just so happens to be somewhat of a guru on benefits. So we invited him on. Welcome, DJ. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I'm uh, glad to be here and answer whatever questions you guys have on uh, benefits. Well, I guess our question is, what do people do if they want to retire? Take us through that process uh, um, for someone who has made that decision or is thinking about making that decision. What do they need to do? Yeah, so that's the number one question I am getting nowadays, whether it's at the benefits office, down here at the union hall, is, you know, everybody's kind of looking Looking ahead to whether it's contract negotiations or just, you know, they're getting up there with age and seniority where they're ready to take that next chapter and step into retirement. The easiest way to explain it is everybody comes to me in a panic. You know, what do I have to do? Who do I have to call? I I need to be planning for this 10 years out, right? Not necessarily. It is actually a lot easier to come off the payroll than it is to get on the payroll. So what we've done at the benefits office is we kind of create a little bit of a cheat sheet. um, And, you know, we're going to have this up on our website. We'll have it available on our mobile app for you. And I'm going to take you through, you know, just a couple of highlights on on what you need to do to prepare for retirement. So, folks, just um, for for you folks listening out there, we've created a little section right on the 10 to 12 podcast page for documents that we refer to like last week we did the uh, vacation time for dummies that's up on our website already right on the 10 to 12 podcast page you can you can download it right from there and the documents that dj's referring to are going to be up there as soon as this podcast hits the air yeah so uh the number one to think number one item to think about is you know do you want to collect your pension if it's applicable you know as soon as you retire And that's pretty much the only thing you need to prepare for, plan for, and do something to get that process started. So, and what that means is you need to call up the Lockheed Martin Employee Service Center and tell them, hey, I'm going to retire on December 31st and I want to apply for my pension. And you do the same exact thing with Raytheon, who used to be UTC. Uh, if you have a pension with UTC, you would do the same thing. Contact their pension center and say, you know, I'm going to retire on this date. This is my last day of work, and I'd like to apply for my pension. Now, the key with those two items is you have to apply within 90 days. So that's the biggest time frame. You know, when everybody rushes down to the office and says, hey, I'm ready to go in about a year. Okay, come see me when you're 90 days out from your retirement date. 
So you make those two phone calls and it does take a while for those applications to come into the in, in through the mail. And, you know, feel free to set up an appointment with the benefits coordinator, John, myself, somebody down at here at the union hall, and we will walk you right through your pension application. So it's pointless to call those folks any further out than 90 days. So I wouldn't say it was. it's pointless. If you want an idea, if you want an estimate, not only can you get an estimate of what type of monetary items you will be getting when you retire online, but you can call them and request that estimate as well. So um, I'm hearing some nightmare stories from a couple of people, uh, and, and maybe you can answer this question. I've heard through the grapevine that folks are calling Raytheon. And, and having a lot of trouble getting their package within that 90-day window. Yeah, so right now, as everybody is aware, you know, since Lockheed Martin bought us out, there there is, you know, Raytheon and Lockheed Martin don't really communicate too well, um, nor should they have to. However, you know, the local 150 members are still tied to both. So the Raytheon package does take a lot longer to come into the mail. Uh, one of the things we tell all the members is just keep on top of them, you know, keep calling. If you're running into issues where it's taking longer than three weeks to get that application in the mail, make sure you're reaching out to the union hall so we can go through the corporate channels to try to figure out what's going on. Awesome. So, um, so they just make a phone call 90 days out, actually make two phone calls 90 days out, wait to get that package in the mail, give you folks a call, set up an appointment to sit down, and you guys are going to take them through the, that package. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people bring up once we start going through the retirement process with everybody is, you know, what do I do with my, my 401k? Well, truthfully, you don't have to do anything with it. It can stay there. You know, you can set up uh, uh, payments or withdrawals on a, on a monthly basis if you want to do that. Uh, but that's kind of you can you could cross that bridge when it comes and do that on your own time. The other things to consider is your health care. You know, what are you going to do once you retire? Once you retire, you're no longer covered. If it's a straight retirement, you're no longer covered under the Lockheed Martin health care plan. So, you know, are you enrolling into Medicare? If that's the route that you have to go or will or want to go, then it is important you register for Medicare three months before your 65th birthday. One of the things that we tell everyone is, you know, we are not the experts in Medicare. We have a, a ton of, uh, you know, support from different outside agencies where you could call and speak to professionals. But we recommend that everybody, if you're going to enroll into Medicare, talk to a Medicare expert, especially if you're still going to be on the payroll past the age of 65 then you definitely need to have those conversations to figure out, you know, what do I have to apply for, register for? Um, do I really need to sign up right now? Because there's certain dates that you must comply with or else you're going to face penalties for the rest of your life. So the cheat sheet that you're going to give us that we're going to post on the website and on the app has all the phone numbers and all that stuff that, that, that people need, right? It does. Awesome. Uh, what else do people need to know? Anything? Um, you know, the, the only other uh, things I'd mention is, you know, the typical stuff like Social Security. Um, you know, we have the Social Security numbers on that cheat sheet as well as, you know, don't forget about the union hall, right? So you have to uh, withdraw from membership from the union hall. We will get you out your retiree watch um, and you'll have an application if you want to sign up for the local 1150 retirees chapter. 
And it's a nice watch. It's not a platinum watch. I actually had a member ask me this morning if the watch was platinum. It is not a platinum watch. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> That's for you, Jesus. Okay, so so DJ, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. We know you got lots of stuff to do. Um, so get off and do your stuff. And um, again, we appreciate the time. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate uh, you guys having me. And, um, you know, just another thing for the members to remember, this is, you know, the straightforward retirement information. Once we do get into contract negotiations, if we are going to be able to obtain some type of package, some type of VSO, you know, that the members so dearly want, that will change what this retirement looks like. So we'll have more information at that time. Um, but, it, you know, for straightforward retirement information, feel free, use this cheat sheet, and always just feel free to contact us with, with any questions. Good call. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so it's time now we take a dive into the contract. Uh, today we're going to talk yeah. about Weingarten rights and the grievance procedure. Jason, you got some information for us? Yeah, so Article 6 is where in our contract you can find the grievance procedure, and that's where our rights come from, where if you have an issue that affects your wages, hours, or working conditions, you've got the right to take it up with your supervisor or with a steward. Obviously, we recommend you pay your union dues, call for a steward. All you have yes. to do is let the foreman know, hey, I'd like to speak to a steward. They might ask you, you know, what's it about? You could just tell them, you know, I'd like to take it up with a steward, we'll let you know. Um, so... There's going to be two cases, really, where you want to call for a steward. Anytime you're asked to participate in an investigatory interview, or if you suspect that they're having a conversation with you that could lead to discipline or affect your working conditions, that's when you want to call. Um, any dispute over your wages, your hours, your benefits, you want to call for a steward. You, you're paying for that benefit. This yes. is really important. This is important stuff for people to understand what that means, right? If you feel like you could be disciplined, that's all that needs to happen, right? If you have that feeling that you could be disciplined, you have the right to union representation. Exactly. Yeah, and we've got intelligent members. We know that. We've got stewards in cases. You know, if I have an issue, I call for a steward. There's always strength in numbers. It's always better to have somebody that you could step outside the room and talk to, take a break, and just have another brain kind of take a look at things. I do as well. It's a very important thing to do. Absolutely. And 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 I as well. So just don't hesitate to exercise that right if you're being questioned about your conduct, about your 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 work output, anything like that, call for a steward. Now, it's important to remember too that the company does not have a legal obligation to tell you to call for a steward. So if you want to exercise that right, you have to do that on your own. Nobody's going to say, hey, now's the time to do that. So anytime the questioning starts, don't just start answering questions and see where the conversation goes and realize after five minutes, oh, I probably should have called somebody. You know, just make that call. And if it's not warranted, then, you know, no skin off your back. But let's be clear. If you do wait five minutes, it's not too late. You can stop that conversation anytime you yep. want and request a union steward. So make sure you know that it's never too late. Yeah, that's a great point. So anytime that you're asked to participate in an interview, the employer's got a couple options if you request a steward. They can delay the interview and provide you representation. They can choose to just end the interview and not move forward with it. Um, or they can ask you if you'd like to continue without representation, which your, your answer should always be no in that case. Um, you beat me to the punch. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> so in the event that the employer denies your request for a steward and continues to ask uh, questions, that is what would constitute an unfair labor practice. 
So at that point, you just want to take your own notes, basically minimize any inter interaction. You don't want to be answering questions without a steward. Um, and then at the end of that, you want to make sure you request a steward again, call Union Hall, make sure you make it you know, aware to your union that that's what happened to you. And, and make sure you continue to make the request. If, if the company ignores your request and tries to continue questioning, your answer to every question needs to be, I prefer not to answer any questions without my union representation. Yep. Yep. So what do we do? What, what can we tell members to do if they're called into an investigatory meeting? So the first thing you're going to want to do is let your foreman know you want to request a steward. You've got a legal right. It's been determined by the Supreme Court case. It's uh, Weingarten, 1975, that you're legally entitled to representation if you request it. Um, so we have cards available at Union Hall. Feel free to pick one up at the next membership meeting. They actually have a paragraph on the back that you can read. And it says, if this discussion could in any, any way lead to my being disciplined or terminated or affect my personal working conditions, I respectfully request that my union representative, officer, or steward be present at the meeting. Without union representation, I choose not to answer questions. So... They're going to provide you a steward that we typically, you know, that's the norm. Yeah. And at that point, you've got a right to caucus with that steward, which means you can go outside, meet with that steward. They're going to notify the steward, what is this interview about? And you're going to have an opportunity to discuss anything that you know related to it with your steward in private, um, develop a strategy and, you know, what to expect for that interview. And you have that right to continue to caucus throughout the entire investigation. And when you're doing that, be honest with your steward. And if you're in trouble, if you've done something that that has put you in that meeting, yeah. you need to be honest with your steward. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to keep in mind that we're like your attorney. And if we don't know all of the facts, we can't provide you accurate advice. So our recommendation might change had you told us the truth was something else than what yeah. you're representing. So that's critical. Um, and like I said, you have the option to stop the meeting, go outside, and ask your steward a question. So if you don't know what to say um, and you need advice how to clarify, use that right. Don't just speak and then you know regret that after the fact. should definitely take that time to caucus. So let's talk about outside of that investigatory meeting, right? What, what is a what does a member do if they just want a steward, right? They're, they're not... They're not in, asked to answer questions, anything like that. But there's a condition that they think the, the union can help them with. How do they do that? Make a steward request to your supervisor. It's always good to have your steward come over and ask a question just to, you know, whatever question is on your mind. When in doubt, it's better to check it out. So how do you make that request? All you're going to do is walk up to your foreman or really any foreman. It should be your own. And just tell them I'd like to speak to a steward. Um, they're going to then go ahead. They have to provide one promptly. So, you know, you go back to work and wait a few minutes and somebody should be showing up to help you. So that's a good place to talk about the, those limitations. There, There is no time limitation for the company to provide you with a steward, but there is a rule of thumb that the, that the company clearly adheres to, and that's two hours. Yeah, that's for safety. You have two-hour limit. Um, they don't want an unsafe condition to go, obviously, yeah. uh, Un, unaccounted for. And they apply that practice to providing a labor steward as well. 
Yep. Now, if a foreman tells you, hey, get back to work, I've got two hours, that's not the intent of that language. So let's be clear. You need to make that clear to your steward if they're playing those kind of games. So if you have an issue, you're going to let your foreman know, and they're going to let you sit down with the steward. Again, they're probably going to ask you, hey, do you want to talk about it? Let your steward have those conversations. And even if you have questions, your steward should be a better resource for you than your foreman. That's what we're trying to achieve down here. Exactly. So uh, I want to be clear about something as well. We had this case just recently in the Shelton plant where a newer steward was was called out for an issue. And while the steward was on his way to meet with the member, the, the supervisor took care of the problem. It was a safety issue. The supervisor immediately took care of the problem, sent some emails, uh, was in complete agreement that this was a problem. The the member needs to know that that's okay, right? It's okay for the for the supervisor or manager or whoever else to take action and and try to correct a situation yeah. if they know that it's wrong, right? Because that's the point. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point in what and in, in getting a steward involved is to resolve the issue, right? So let's talk about what we came here to talk about, which is you know contract negotiations coming up. We need to prepare for a strike. Yes, we do. I, I don't want anyone to panic about about this kind of rhetoric, okay? We make it clear that a strike is a last resort. However, a strike is our only weapon. If Lockheed Martin decides that they are not going to treat us fairly, then we need to be prepared to withhold our labor, to go yeah. out on strike. It doesn't make any sense to not prepare for that, right? So, so we want to take members through some basic things that that they can do to make that easier if a strike does happen, okay? So there are a a list of things that members can do to prepare, starting with updating your contact information with the union. We need need to know who you are, where you are, how to get a hold of you so that we can notify people of, of... whatever picketing times and um you know meeting times and things like that so we're we're not going to be able to use company contact lists because you won't be in work so that's really important that the union knows how to get a hold of you yeah there's two places you should update update that information to you could call down to union hall and let the bookkeeper know and you could also go into the app and go into your um profile and you can add all your contact info into there you should do it in both places but so if you haven't downloaded yep. the app, download it. Yes. Right. Download Do that today. For me, what I always talk to members about, about preparing for a strike, th- there's a couple of things that are, I think are really important in preparing for a strike. Getting your finances in order yep. and preparing your family, right? If you're, if you're married, you have children, this is an important thing. This is not something that you do independently. Your family is on strike when you're on strike, yeah. and it's scary for them, right? It's very scary for them. So you need to have those conversations at home, right? Talk with your spouse. Yes. Talk with your kids. Talk about what this means. Uh, and talk about some of some of the adjustments that you may have to make because budgeting is really important. Making sure that you're not spending money unnecessarily is really important. So, so – Let's talk a little bit, guys, about how people prepare financially for a strike. What are some of the things they can do? Put a few dollars away every week. For sure. 
if you're not saving money right now, when you're leading up towards a potential strike, you need to budget yourself as if you are on strike. Yeah. Save some money so that you're not in trouble when that happens. Exactly. Yeah, so you need an accurate financial picture. You need to know what your expenses are, what can you afford to cut out, and how long are your savings going to last you if you do have to go with a, a substantially lower paycheck. But you also have to remember, too, strikes are temporary. So this is about getting through a temporary window. Yes. So I think folks should start now. Yeah. It, it's February, okay? Start now thinking about what you can do to put a little bit of money away and to to curb your spending, right? You should not be making big purchases within a year of a contract negotiation. You shouldn't be buying cars. You shouldn't be buying houses. Yes. I know that that seems extreme and, and, and that you, you feel like you're putting your life on hold, but this is kind of the life of an hourly worker, right? A union worker who's, who, who has to look at contract negotiations every several years. These are the things we need to do. So don't make any big purchases. Take a look at your bills. One thing I recommend personally is if you don't have a Union Plus credit card or a Union Plus mortgage, consider switching to those products. Union Plus is a company that works with union members, and they will suspend payments if you go on strike. You won't have to make credit card payments. You won't have to make your mortgage payment, and there's no penalty. So if, you, if you're if you not using one of those products, I strongly suggest you look into it. That's pretty awesome. It, it is awesome. They're, they're a great company. They're, they're competitive. They're a big company. You're not, it's not a fly-by-night little um, weird credit card that nobody would accept. It's a, you know, it, it's, you know, they go through Visa, MasterCard, whoever. So it's a legitimate product and, and it's worth looking into. So I highly recommend that. So avoid credit card debt. Yeah. You should be paying down your credit cards right now, not building up a bill, right? Mm -hmm. yep. that, that's a big deal. Another big one's going to be to stock up on food and medicine. You know, in the event of a strike, they do terminate your health care. So you should go out and get a 90-day supply of your medications. Make sure that you're prepared for that if, if need be. Yep. So, you know, we talk about panicking, right? And people do panic during a strike. The bulk of the people who crossed our picket line in 2006 were either people that, that really didn't truly support the union or, more importantly, were people who thought they couldn't afford to be on strike, who thought hey, I have medical bills or, you know, whatever. You know, I have, I have this bill to pay. But medical bills was a big reason why, at least a big excuse for people to cross our picket line. And, and I, and I want to make sure that people understand that the union provides assistance. We have some money. We will have a, a, a strike assistance fund like we did in 2006. Please don't don't make any rash decisions yes. before you come to the union and ask for help. Yes. The union is there to help, okay? I watched my best friend stay out on the picket line for six weeks while his son was going through cancer treatments. Yeah, we had more than one of those. Yeah, yeah. he did not cross the picket line. Yeah. So, so nobody has a story worse than that, right? So 
please give the union a chance to help you before you make the decision that you're going to betray the union and, and cross the picket line. Um, it's something that you can't come back from. No, and there's no good reason to cross a picket line. Just to be clear, there's no mitigating factor that makes you not a scumbag if you cross a picket line. So <laughs> just for anybody that might think about that. You took I the mean, words right out of my mouth. And yeah. uh, us sticking together is where our strength is. And we we want, and that's why our union supports us if uh, if we do go on strike. So sticking together is the the important thing here. No question about it. And listen, that works to our advantage. Sticking together gets us back to work quicker. Yep. If you stay out exactly. on strike, you'll go back to work quicker because that will resonate with the company. Right. Yep. The more people who cross the picket line, the more the company thinks they can hold out and people will continue to cross the picket exactly. line. Exactly. Yeah. So solidarity ends strikes yes. quickly. Yeah. Everybody's heard the old adage that failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And what Steve was alluding to before, if we don't prepare for this financially and mentally and have our families ready to go, we can't withhold our labor. And yes. that is our weapon. Yep. So if you're not ready to go, then it's not a real weapon to yeah. use. No question about it. Yeah. You need to be ready, not not just financially, not just talking to your family, but you yourself need to be ready to do this, right? Yes. You need to make a commitment to do this. It's not easy. Don't think that going out on strike is going to be easy because it is not. It, it's a difficult proposition. It's not easy to do. So be prepared for that difficulty, right? It's a fight. And, and you don't get into a fight without getting punched in the mouth. Yes. So some other things we can do is you can use your health insurance while you have it. That's really important. Don't put off doctor's appointments, right? Get your stuff done now. If you need something done, get it done now so that when you go on strike and you lose your health insurance, you'll, you, won't, you won't need to do that, right? It'll be just emergency stuff that you have to worry about. Um, and, you know, I hesitate to say this, but I will say it. And, I, and there are no guarantees that this will be the case if there were another strike. But in 2006, when we settled the strike in 2006, it, it came with uh, part of the settlement was that health insurance would go back retroactively and cover you for, for events during the strike. So health insurance was retroactive in that strike. That's certainly something that we would seek in a in a settlement agreement this time around too. Uh, but of course, there's no guarantees. Yep, that's a good point, and it's something that the average member might not know about. So that's another reason why you got to keep in mind if you're feeling the struggle on a picket line that you're ready to go, call Union Hall, find out what they can do for you. Everybody is going to try to support you and make sure that's not a reality. Yes, absolutely. So. There's no question that you need money, right? And, and there is a strike benefit. So we, we do have a strike fund uh, at the international level. So you will, you will be getting paid. Not going to lie to you, it's not a lot of money, yeah. but you will, you will get some money, right? It, it'll cover groceries and things like that. You're not going to starve to death while you're out on strike. But if you find that you absolutely need more money than what you're getting through the, the strike fund, uh, and and you can't get strike assistance for whatever reason. I can't imagine what those reasons would be. But if you can't get assistance from the union, there are other ways outside of a paycheck that you can get money, right? You can take a loan from your 401k. You can, you can take a loan from the bank. I'm not saying that these are necessarily the right options, but they yeah. are options. 
They, they are options that some people consider and that depending on what your circumstances are, some people think that those are good options. So, you know, talk to, talk to your financial advisors, talk to whoever, and, and make that decision for yourself, but understand that those are options. What, what other things can people do? Well, you're going to want to remove any personal property from the workplace if we go out on strike. Yeah. No question. Don't leave your stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, take your personal stuff out, you know, if and listen, folks are going to know ahead of time. It's it's not going to happen without you thinking, "Hey, this might happen." Yeah. So, you know, if it feels like that's going to be happening, we're going to be communicating with people. That's the time to you know, open up your drawers at, at, at work and take your personal stuff home. I mean, this goes back to a later point, but have a, a couple mortgage payments and a couple of rent payments ready to go. Yep. And I think the most important thing you can do to avoid a strike is take an active role in the union. Show up to a union meeting. Yes. Voice your concerns. Be an active member on the floor. Enforce the contract. The, you know, when they see solidarity and they see people are, you know, in step with each other, that's going to frighten them. They're not going to want to have a strike yeah. on their hands. This company is really, really proactive about this. I want everybody out there to know that. They're listening to this podcast right now. They're watching everything we do. They're paying attention to you on the floor, in the shop. And when we have meetings, when we have our monthly meetings at Union Hall, they're doing drive-bys and they're looking, especially going up towards negotiations. They're going to want to see how active we are. So uh, to Jason's point, go to a meeting, hear what's happening, get the updates. Don't listen to the rumors on the floor, please. And take take pride in your union on the floor. Wear, wear a union tee. Talk to new members about the importance of being involved. Take charge of, of the shop floor and make it a pro-union shop. And also to Jason's point, I mean, knowledge is power, and more knowledge you have going into this, I feel less likely are to cross the picket line because you're going to know what's going on. You're going to know that the union has your back no matter what. So I think that's a really important thing. And as of March, I'd say we got a pretty good backing of support now, wouldn't wouldn't you say? I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when when um, when the company has to now negotiate with a, an international vice president. And, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm hoping that Sean O'Brien's going to be sitting at that table maybe on kickoff day. Uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. That is a and, real big deal. Yeah, that carries some weight. So but you can bet your ass we end up out on strike. You're going to have the full weight of the Teamsters behind local 1150. Oh, without, without a doubt. Without question, because Sean loves a good strike. I know that. So we're not just asking you to prepare. We are preparing as well as we do every time we go into negotiations. Uh, Local 1150 has established a strike committee. The strike committee is kind of broken down into subcommittees just so everybody understands what the strike committee does. The strike committee just prepares for the possibility of a strike and prepares to prepare you. So we have the negotiating committee clearly sits at the top of the, the strike committee. You know, everything comes from the negotiating committee. They form the narrative of negotiations, and that's what the strike committee reacts to. But there's a finance committee th that will be able to advise members on strategies on how to sa save and prepare. Um, they, they assess members' needs, and they have control of the, of the strike fund, the strike assistance fund. We have a picketing committee that, that will deal with all of the planning that's involved in picketing, make sure everyone knows where to picket, 
when to picket, picketing rules, will assign picket captains who will control the individual picket lines. And there's a public relations committee, right, which is maybe the most important piece of that puzzle. Because when a union goes on strike, especially a union of workers like us who make good money and have good benefits, the public perception is that we're greedy and we need to we need to shape that narrative, yeah, right? We do. We need to get out there and, and talk to the public. We need to control the media messages. We need to go get local businesses to support us. So that's going to be the Public Relations Committee's job. All of that under the umbrella of the strike committee. We are just now forming that committee. So maybe if you're out there and you're interested in something like that, uh, give us a call. Not guaranteeing that, that people will be put on the strike committee, but give us a call if it's something you're interested in and we'll certainly consider you. The strike committee is not a large committee. It's, in fact, a very small committee. But if you're interested, shoot us an email at our email address here for the podcast. It's comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Let us know that you're interested in that. Maybe we'll give you a call. So what what else do we need to talk about? Anything? That's a pretty short subject, but but pretty important. If if you have questions, please hit us up on that yes. email address. If you have concerns, if you're worried, anything like that, please hit us up there. We'll, we'll talk you through it, right? Come to a membership meeting and tell Rocco, the guys on the podcast scared the crap out of me, and, and, and they said we're going on strike, which we did not say, and, and have that conversation with Rocco yeah. at the meeting, okay? But but come and have those conversations if there's anything like that on your mind. So, Vinny, who's on strike? Well, well, oh, did I surprise you no, with that no, question? No, 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 Because, okay, so I don't have a lot of uh, strikes going on because it, it, a lot of it is what's been going on since last podcast. Yep, so what do so, you got? So um, we have some labor activity. We want to send some solidarity out through our airwaves that uh, REI in Manhattan – a location there is trying to unionize, and we hope that they do because that is a great place. And uh, I hope it. You talking about the 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 retailer? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I hope it creates a domino effect, and they all they all unionize. Shout out to Starbucks. I mean, it's spreading like wildfire through this country. I mean, uh, Starbucks workers united are getting the work done, and I think they're a model for any union trying to organize i mean yeah they really are they're doing a great job yeah Yeah. their messaging is incredible yeah it is you see their new uh logo that they came out with yeah oh it's awesome yeah it's awesome awesome. yeah yeah they're doing a great job um at amazon and bessemer alabama is getting another election it's going to go through march 25th uh ballots are being mailed out to six thousand workers there so that's that's another great thing to see. I hopefully it goes our way this time. Yeah, they're seeing a big wave of they're noticing that all the promises the company made, they didn't make good on those promises. Of course. And the company wasn't planning on a redo election because they were scumbags and violated yeah. the law. So, I can't believe it. Yeah, a lot of the people that were on the fence, they're saying, are going to be uh, going pro-union this time. So good. Hope for the um, best. I'm ho- good. I'm and, hoping and, for the best. And this is a trend that's just awesome to watch, right? Uh, not only 
not only Amazon. I mean, we all want to organize Amazon on a national level, but I'm loving seeing these smaller, you know, the Starbucks and the retail yes. places who are finally standing up and saying, hey, we don't have to be treated like garbage. And I think those are the ones that really need to stand up now because these big companies have been trying to roll over them for years and years. And it's I think it's starting to slow down a bit, which is good. Yeah. And and anyone who thinks that these are, you know, small, struggling retailers, you're wrong. In most cases, even even the retailers who look small are not small. They're owned by the big conglomerates. Exactly. exactly. Right. So there's an umbrella company that's big and rich, just like Amazon and just like Walmart. And they're controlling. They're pulling the the strings. Yeah. So uh, don't feel bad for these folks if they're if they're not treating their workers right, that's why their workers are standing up against them. Exactly. Bezos's biggest problem right now is moving a historic bridge in, uh, I think it was Denmark, because he's having a, a mega yacht built. So they actually have to take down this bridge to get it out into the ocean. So he's got the money to pay oh to remove God. a historic yep, exactly. bridge. I did not hear that. It's I mean, amazing. He, he, well, if he could do that, he could pay his workers a living wage and give them great benefits. Well, sure he can. He's he's shooting rockets into outer space, too, with, yes. with, with paying customers Playing sitting with his on toys him. in space. Yeah, so um, we don't feel bad for Bezos. Uh, another Amazon, a second warehouse in Staten Island, is uh, going to have an election, so hopefully that that goes the the right way and the last one i have is the uh, national independent union of workers of of the automotive industry won the right to represent represent 6500 workers in a, a gm facility just outside of mexico city mexico and i think this is a big deal for the auto industry because it, it even shows people in mexico are standing up against big companies like gm that's awesome yeah it's good that's awesome. All right. Thanks, Vinny. Uh, upcoming events, you know, same same as last week. Not not a lot of events per se coming up, but um, keep in mind the contract surveys are out there. They're available. You're going to get that card in the mail very soon that has the QR code that will take you to the electronic version. If you hate computers and hate apps and you absolutely don't want to do that, give us a call or let your steward know that you want a paper copy of the survey and we can get you that we're not going to distribute them necessarily in a in a um organized way i think we're going to give them out as needed uh, because we would prefer the electronic version because we get all the results kind of handed to us on a silver platter which we like yeah that we paid for this program it's going to automatically tabulate your responses it's going to help us more intelligently analyze that data so if you could bear with us go online do it online that's definitely the preferable way uh, the other event coming up, we've got the membership meeting on the 16th of this month. Yep. It's always going to be the third Wednesday of the month. Make sure you come down, have free lunch on us. And From fun. who? Uh, we're still in limbo on that. But <laughs> what? <laughs> we're looking at a taco truck. So, Listen, I'm uh, trying to plan my meals I'm right sorry, now. Man. Yeah, gonna, me too. <laughs> gonna, you'll find out when you get here what you're eating. But it'll be good, right? It'll be good. All right. It's that's all, all it's matters. always good. It'll be good food. And there's always vegetarian options, right, Vinny? Yes, vegetarian. All right. We don't leave you hanging. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. And and just a note to everybody, we, we've kind of um, we've gotten together with some of the heads of the caucuses recently. So Local 1150 has a women's committee, has a black caucus, has a veterans caucus, has a futures group, which used to be called the uh, Teamsters for Tomorrow, and a fledgling group called Pride. So 
So we have several groups that we're, we're kind of trying to reset with them to, to make sure that everybody's on the same page with how these groups are supposed to operate, how a caucus works, how a committee works. So we're working on our website right now to get dedicated pages up for each of the caucuses and committees. Please, if you're interested in joining a caucus or a committee, one of the ones that I mentioned, get on the website, check them out. If you don't find that page yet, because if, if you do it tomorrow, you might not find that page. But give us a call down here at Union Hall, and we'll put you in touch with the people that run those caucuses. But um, th these groups are really important to the union. It's a great way to get folks, uh, like-minded folks, together and be part of this bigger union. So um, please check out the caucuses. Get involved if you're, if you're interested because we want to hear your voices. So labor quote, Vinny, who said what? We have a quote from John L. Lewis. Let the workers organize. Let the toilers assemble. Let their crystallized voice proclaim their injustices and demand their privileges. Let all thoughtful citizens sustain them, for the future of labor is the future of America. John L. Lewis. That's a great one. That's a really good one. Um, so true. The future of labor is the future of America. That's what we think. That's why we're doing this podcast. Definitely. Right? So we're going to leave you with that. Let you digest that until next week. We appreciate everybody listening, everybody downloading, everybody following. Go to Podbean and follow us. Follow the 10 to 12 podcast on Podbean. Go to our website to download new episodes. It's available on all the major uh, feeders of podcasts out there. So, uh, again, let us know what you think. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want us to talk about or anything. Comms at Teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at Teamsters1150.org. Again, we appreciate you being with us this time. And until next week, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.